What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada athletics, episode 143. I am your host, Matt Handiff, and I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Burrows. Isaiah, once again, since spring sports are underway, we got a lot to get to today. Uh, Nevada men's basketball is uh, coming back this weekend. Nevada women's basketball already played on back-to-back days. We'll get into that a little bit. Tennis played. The women dive had their tournament last week, but got barely got second place. Volleyball split, um, got their first one of the season. Tennis, a, I, the whole shebang. Yeah, we got a lot to get to. Baseball, softball started this last yeah. weekend. Seeing some wins pile up in a lot of categories, a lot of different sports, and it's going to be exciting. I think we got a full in-depth recap of everything going on, and obviously we talk about some bigger projects going on throughout this whole week too, so I'm excited. Well, first, let's get into uh, what happened yesterday. Nicole Otter. Um, she got second place in the – she okay, so she competed at the championships at the peak for the pentathlon uh, yesterday, and she got second place. Um, her finish put her 11th in the nation, and if she can keep that second – or she, if she can keep that top 16 mark, she would compete for the NCAA Indoor Championships in Fayetteville, Arkansas on March 11th. So hopefully she's able to stay within that top 16 threshold um, but again, we've talked about her. You've talked about her being one of the best athletes that this university's ever seen, and she's sure, certainly putting it on display. Oh, definitely. And Nicola Otter's something special. She's crazy. I don't know. I mean, a pentathlon requires so much, not just like endurance and athletic ability, but just so much skill in so many different events. And for her to get such consistent top finishes over these past three years and like you said, she now has a chance to qualify for the NCAA Nationals, Indoor Nationals once again. She could become a six-time, seven-time All-American for Nevada by the time this is all said and done. I mean, she could get another bevy of awards like she did last year. So she's just crazy. She's absolutely insane. And I know the indoor season's just about to wrap up. And there's going to be a lot of outdoor events. There's seven outdoor events going to be scheduled throughout the year, too. So track and field's not over by any means. But Nicola Otter in particular. We already know how special she is, and she's going to cement her status as one of the greatest when this is all said and done. I really and truly believe that. Yeah, she set two personal bests in the long jump and the 800 meters. Um, she finished in the top five nearly every single um, event that she did. She was just tremendous. Definitely. No, and there's a bevy of other sports I know we can get to, but I think it was just highlighting her dominance and the team's dominance in, as a whole with track and field in the indoor season this year has been really special. So gearing up for those Mountain West championships is going to be crucial. Let's get into men's and women's tennis. Men's dropped to UC Davis uh, yesterday and fell 2-0-2 on the season. Um, it will face Fresno State and Azuna Pacific in a doubleheader tomorrow on Saturday. We're recording this on Friday. And then women's tennis split the series over the weekend. They beat Santa Clara four to three, but then got swept by San Francisco four to zero, um, and they are two at one on the season. Their next match won't be until March eleventh. So, um, and then swim and dive, of course. Last weekend we talked, we came on air and talked about how they were first place heading into day three. Um, they got beat by interstate rival UNLV, the boy, the the people down south, um, by one tenth of a second. We were one tenth of a second away from. Um, winning the Mountain West Championships. Uh, and, I mean, we got 19 medals. <laughs> um, 
Nevada finished with, by the way, 1,340 points, even though we finished with 1,349 points, so they barely edged us out, obviously by the one-tenth of a second mark. Um, and it's our, it is our third straight runner-up finish, too. Like, we haven't, we haven't been able to get past that mark, and this was obviously the closest that we got to passing that mark. Um, and it's our eighth straight time finishing within the top three, either getting first, second, or third. We got 19 medals. We got six gold medals, five silver medals, and eight bronze medals in 21 total events. Um, so it was, I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, it's a good, it's a good mark to have. But I, I don't think, I don't think losing to your in-state rival really kind of sits well in your stomach. Yeah, I know that, you know, I know the rivalry always gets heightened up and, Football and basketball and those types of things, but this in-state rivalry goes deep, and you see it a lot in a lot of spring sports and swim and dive in particular. I mean, that must be brutal. That must be an absolute gut-wrenching loss, but just looking at the swim and dives program, their dominance as a whole these past three years, I know getting over that you know, that hurdle, that obstacle to get a first round, you know, first round, I'm sorry, I got so much basketball in the mind, to get a first place finish is always nice, but... Just seeing how much talent this program produces year in and year out, I think this program does set its expectations high for a bevy of reasons. I, I think they will ultimately get a first-place finish heading into next year. There's so much young talent on this team, and Donna DiPolo, once again, just dominating. And sophomores, so many underclassmen really took a step up this year, so this team's going to be just fine. It's no worries whatsoever. In a lot of ways, they should be appreciative and really respect just how great this team has done as a whole not only in the individual events but the team events as well and falling one tenth literally one tenth of a second to your in-state rivals always going to hurt but no hesitation whatsoever in my thought process thinking that they're going to be first place next year at the mountain west championships now heading into volleyball we saw that nevada split the series against air force picked up its first win of the series friday with a three to one victory then they fell three straight sets in saturday's matchup I mean, game one was pretty pretty impressive. We had 40 kills as a team, tallied a season-high 13 aces. That was more than double our previous mark, so high regards all around. Really good team performance. And coming into game two, just an overall tough game on this one. We did have 28 combined points in the final two sets. Beginning Which isn't with, good. Not too well. Be, considering, 14 in each one, I think. Considering that we had 23 in the opening set. But overall, I mean, it's still so early. So to get a split at this part of the year and getting those, you know, just kind of getting back into the win column no matter how many ways you can. I think that's always a positive. So coming up next, we have two games against SDSU on Friday and Saturday on the road. Got a conference opponent, so big things ahead for Nevada Volleyball. Looking forward to it. Heading into Nevada softball, really a lot of high points throughout the weekend and then a couple, you know, lows i guess but overall a really strong start to the season i wanted to kick it off you know just started out very well with an eight to five win over the number two ranked washington huge win huge that was our biggest win in program history to this point in nevada softball history i should say and just crushed dixie state 13 to zero 13 to zero in five innings and then the next two ones a little couple rough we fell to BYU 7-1 to and Utah Valley 8-6, to but ended the weekend on a really good note, and we won 6-5 to against Montana. So, as you can tell, this offense is clicking on a lot. Except against BYU. Yeah, but overall, I mean, you're producing five-plus runs in 
what was that, three or four games. So you'll take those types of results any day of the week. Uh, Kendall Fritz, I know, coming off a really dominant performance against the like Washington and her start of the year. I know she got beat up a little bit in her most recent start, but the offense carried in a lot of ways, and that's what you need. I think this team is really, really good. Lauren Gutierrez, Kenzie Goins, Haley Berta, all just killing it thus far this year. So Nevada softball's off to a really, really high note. And they have a four-game weekend scheduled against Idaho State and Pacific on Friday and Saturday. On Friday, they play Idaho State at 11 Pacific time, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Pacific, 3.45 p.m. Pacific time. And then on Saturday, once again, against Idaho State at 12 p- 12.15 p.m. Pacific time. And Pacific at 2.30 p.m. Pacific time. So yeah, At least we're not like trying to count like mountain time and central time like we had to last week. Pacific time only here. Sorry. But with that being said, they're off to a strong start to the season. Bats clicking. Pitching's going to continue to iron itself out. and Seven and three, baby. Really strong start to the season, and you know I, I think it continues throughout the course of the year. So really strong start for Nevada softball, and that kind of leads us to Nevada baseball that we're going to get into. Yeah, Nevada baseball, we talked about it last weekend, or last week, um, how the offense needed to pick up the their end of the bargain because we last season they put together 32 total runs in 14 games. <laughs> Not what you want. Um, and it didn't get off to a good start this last weekend. Um, had just two hits in the season opener against UC Davis, but then certainly picked it up as the series went along in the final two games, or final three games, it put together 25 runs in just three games. That almost matched our season high. Um, we beat UC Davis 2-1 to one in game two, 11-8 and eight in 10 innings in game three, and kind of a, a roller coaster game, and then 12-6 to six in the fourth game, the season, or the series finale. And so this offense is certainly picked up. Hopefully this can continue. Um, Nevada faces UNLV this next weekend, who wasn't able to play this last weekend because New Mexico State uh, had COVID postponements. So this is the first look that we'll be getting of UNLV this weekend. This pitching staff looked pretty good this weekend, I would say, too. Owen Shardson had a pretty rocky outing. I mean, you look at his line, four innings, four innings, seven walks, but he also had seven strikeouts and didn't allow a hit. Um, Jake Jackson, four inning, four earned. That wasn't the best opening performance to the season. And then their bullpen was also pretty good this weekend, Isaiah. Yeah, I mean, Cade Morris was lights out. Shane Gustafson's really kind of stepping into that closer role, filled by Blaine Abeda last year at points and Blake Bainbrick. So it's been high to this point. This pitching staff as a whole has been really good because last year you saw a lot of quality starting pitching, and those Outings were kind of ruined by the lack of offense and then some susceptible, I would say, bullpen outings at some points. But now it's been a kind of like a much more consistent, thorough product on both ends of the ball. And I know last year you saw the offense really sputtered, but a couple high points were always Josh Zamore and Dylan Trum. And those two are continuing, but now you're getting more, a lot more contributions from guys like Anthony Flores. Matt Clayton's off to a really good start. Dario Gomez, one of the newcomers to this team. So... If we Jacob could keep Stinson. Jacob Stinson's doing really well, I mean, a lot more familiar faces that you, a lot more new faces that you want to get familiar with because this team's really stacking up a lot of hits and putting up runs in so many games. So, really, really off to a hot start offensively, and I think this can continue throughout the year. And if it can, we'll be a foe in conference play. 
Yeah, I want to highlight on Stinson and Gomez. Stinson went 5 for 12 with two doubles. Gomez went 7 for 17 with the homer, two doubles, and four RBIs. And in the final two games of the series, they combined for 11, 11 for 17. So, I mean, they were really – you look at Nevada's production in the final two games, 11 runs and then 12 runs. I mean, they were a huge contributor to that. And Dylan Trump also was too. He nearly hit 400 with um, a couple extra base hits. So, I mean – this offense, hopefully hopefully this can sustain itself because, I mean, I know we saw last year the offense was just dead at multiple times or pretty much throughout the entire season. Oh, definitely. Yeah, so when you're seeing these high-run outings and high-run games this early in the year at conference play, that's always something to take note of. And I think this starting pitching, similar to Nevada softball, just trying to feel itself out in some ways. So I think it'll really iron itself out, and you'll see stronger outings from guys like Jackson, Shards, and O'Malley, and... I think this team as a whole is becoming more complete. I think you even saw points of optimism and high points during the abbreviated, you know, the canceled 2020 season, despite how rough the year started out. You started to see some high points, and I think that's continuing here into 2021. I want to also go back to this pitching staff. What was your reaction to, I mean, I know we talked about charts at length. We have this, essentially, since we started been doing this, when we've talked about the starting pitching staff but how surprised were you that Jake Jackson got the start yeah Friday? I don't know if that's just more of a matchup thing or what but you know last year it was a battle between Jackson and Schartz for the Friday starter and Schartz ultimately won it so seeing Jackson get the nod to this point's very interesting but to his credit too he fills the zone you know he limits a lot he forces a lot of soft contact and I know he kind of got roughed up against Cal Poly in a way but He's, he gets better as the season progresses, and you saw that last year. He really churned up the innings. He led. He was second last year in the conference in innings pitched, and despite the shortened season, he really filled up the stat sheet. And I know Shards comes equipped with the strikeout stuff, but really has to hone in on his command more, got to limit the walks. So I think both of them are going to really battle, and either one you can agree is a quality Friday starting pitcher. So I bet head coach TJ Bruce kind of had a tough decision to go with, and just giving the nod to Jake Jackson, now heading into his senior year, you know, getting that type of experience and more experience in that type of role can be very valuable. So I understand both aspects. So either way, I think both of them at the top of your rotation is going to really help. And they'll iron it out. I really do think they'll fill themselves out as the season progresses. I should have prefaced this by saying that Jackson had four innings. I, th- I think I said four earned. He had two earned. He allowed four runs with one walk and four Ks. Of course, Sharts had the four scoreless innings where he didn't allow a hit, seven walks, seven strikeouts. And Cam Walty started Sunday. He tossed four innings, five strikeouts, but just one earned um, in his collegiate debut because he's a true freshman. True freshman. Um, and then Shane O'Malley just pitched two and a third with three earned runs and a walk with three Ks on Monday. Um, th- this weekend's going to be a bit different considering it's an in-conference opponent. We're going to be playing just three games. So um, who do you think the starters are going to be? That's going to be really interesting. I'm expecting to see Shards Jackson off the top, considering it is kind of on short rest, but I think they'll go back to the top of their rotation heading into Saturday against UNLV. Once again, this in-state rivalry is going to continue. So that'll be really interesting to see because UNLV is a quality baseball team this year. But with that being said, maybe you go to O'Malley that day three, depending on the matchup. It could be one of those high bullpen days, but it could be just how far you can get your starting pitching. Hopefully you can see more than four innings from both of your top two starters. So I think that's kind of the direction I'd like to go. But, you know, considering how well this offense has clicked thus far, you know, 
gives your starting pitcher a sense of confidence knowing your offense can click at any moment. So maybe that could be an advantage that works to our favor. Yeah, see, these first, these opening series to the season, we're going to be seeing these four, five inning outings from starting pitching uh, just because we want to just to ramp them up for later in the season, which they'll eventually potentially could be getting five, six, seven innings uh, per start. But four is probably the ceiling that he, head coach TJ Bruce wanted to go to in the beginning portion of the season. And so I don't know if it would be a bullpen day because, I mean, they might be taxing the bullpen a lot already. But uh, we saw Shane O'Malley, who pitched three relief innings um, in Friday's game and then uh, two and a third in Sunday's game or Monday's game. Um, he could be getting he could be getting two, three innings. He could eat uh, some of those innings up for this team. So just to kind of rest the bullpen so you're not throwing. Like if you are trying to bullpen, you're not just going one inning each. I mean considering they're already going to be used in the previous two games. And it's also a doubleheader on Saturday, so you also have to take that into account. Like, is he going to go – is he going to try to go um, longer with one guy than the other? Is he going to use the bullpen more than what this game than the other game? Just little things that T.J. Bruce has to think about, and this is going to mean adjustment this season because usually you would have the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. Now this year it's just – for at least in conference play, it's going to be doubleheader on Saturday and then Sunday just to limit – the amount of time in the hotel i mean of course you're not there for super long you're not um limited and it's a limited just destination or limited time in that certain destination whether you're at home or on the road um and so it's a bit different this year and so this is these are going to be things that on a week on a weekly basis that tj bruce is going to have to think about Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, this pandemic and COVID restrictions has impacted all Nevada sports, and baseball is no exception. And considering what you want to do with your arms throughout the course of the season, keeping them fresh, keeping your bullpen healthy and relaxed, hoping you get solid outings from starting pitching, it's a lot of different formulas and things you have to really take into account. So I'm excited. You know, I think this team has what it takes in a lot of ways to be a foe in conference play, and if it continue on both sides of the ball, I think – you're going to see a solid product in and year in and year out. So looking forward to it. All right, now let's get to basketball. Or reminder, Nevada baseball plays this Saturday, doubleheader, and then Sunday against UNLV. Um, let's, now let's get to basketball. Nevada women's basketball was back. Um, San Jose State a couple of weeks ago, opt, I mean, they've been opted out of their season a while ago, but they had a scheduled series against Air Force a couple of weeks ago um, that got – uh, postponed that will be played next week, March 3rd and March 5th. Um, and this week was their first series back since that um, against Utah State, the worst team in the Mountain West. I mean, it's a tale of two teams with between the Utah State uh, basketball programs. The men's team is one of the best teams in the conference. The women's team, not so much. Nevada beat Utah State 63-40 to in the first game behind just a dominant defensive performance and then the second game it was a little bit tighter uh but nevada squeaked out a 73 60 victory what did you see from those two series or yeah, those I, two games i was just so impressed considering we didn't play a game since february 7th against boise state thanks to the cancellations from san jose state and colorado state we looked fresh we looked ready to go we were coming out of the gates firing on both ends of the floor and just such a well-rounded performance i think that was the biggest takeaway is i know we've highlighted just how well deja hamilton's been all year but especially in that second game against Utah State in particular, a well-balanced scoring effort from 
you know, Mia Alexander and LaPresia and LaPresia Johnson. It's just so many other solid contributors, and they've been able to make what's becoming a solid Wolfpack team coming down the stretch. I mean, winners of three straight. What are we now? Eleven and eight. Eleven and eight I think overall. Seven and seven in conference for seven the six and, yeah, seeds. Seven and seven in conference, and we're all we need now heading into the tail stretch of this season is at least one win against Utah. A uh, Utah State. I'm sorry, one win against Air Force, and we could potentially secure a first round bye heading into the Mountain West tournament. So, considering just how up and down this season has become, we're playing our best basketball when it matters most, and this team is dangerous in some ways, and they fight hard defensively and. If they're able to get those timely baskets and shoot well from the floor, it quickly turns into a blowout in some ways. And you saw that in game one. And like you said, it was still a tighter contest in game two, but still squeaking out a 13-point victory is always something to tip your cap to. So just a really sound performance and really impressed by just how fresh the team looked considering the lack of action it's had this month as a whole. Yeah, these games are games that we should have won. And you mentioned that we need to get these wins against Air Force or at least one went to potentially secure that sixth seed. I mean, Nevada is a game back of Boise State right now. Um, we're tied in the loss column. Boise State is 9-7 and seven in conference. Nevada's 7-7. Seven and seven. Um, So hopefully we're able to, to at least squeak out um, one of those two games um, in this kind of series finale next week. Definitely. No, just playing solid basketball, and I know heading into – just a crucial part of the season. I have confidence that this team can at least squeak one out against Air Force and do its best to be an impact key cog in this Mountain West tournament. And obviously, last but not least, that leads us into some men's basketball. I know we haven't played a game in quite a while due to cancellations, obviously, but, you know, there's still things to talk about. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate the situation that Nevada basketball was put in um, just because they were playing their best basketball this season. They were on a four-game win streak against UNLV and Boise State, which was essentially two quad two victories. Um, now it was a quad one at the time, but since Boise State dropped because of those losses, it turned into a quad two uh, victory. Nevada did suffer some 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 COVID. They had some COVID cases within the Nevada program. Um, again, wasn't disclosed to or what happened or whatever the case may be. And then, of course, the Colorado State series last weekend that was postponed just due to health and safety protocols. Um, Nevada got back to practice, I believe it was last Wednesday, something like that. Um, so that's a little weird. Like, if they're able to practice with an entire team, why can't they play a game? But that's a conversation for a different day. We don't know what was going on with the program. Um, and so now Nevada basketball is back this week. It did come out this last week, though, that Nevada was going to play originally, they were originally going to play, make up two games one versus San Jose State, and then the other versus Colorado State. But it came out yesterday that Nevada Nevada series versus San Jose State has been canceled due to COVID uh, problems within the San Jose State program. And so Nevada's just going to play one game next week versus Colorado State at home on March 5th. So we'll at least have one more game in Lawler before the Mountain West tournament begins on March 10th. But Nevada this week, um, they, play U- they play Utah State if the – some if somehow the just hypothetically speaking, if the season were to end today, Nevada would be would play Utah State in that four or five game for the Mountain West tournament or in the Mountain West tournament in that first round bye. Nevada will go this week go up against Nemius Keda, who's as we talked about before, a Mountain West player of the year candidate. 
Um, he's averaging 14 a game with nine rebounds, uh, three blocks a game. He's one of the – I mean, it's a little deceiving because he only averages two and a half assists a game, but considering how much he gets doubled in the post, like he's been one of the best passes, and he's very good at um, passing out of the post, or at least he has been from what I've seen this year. And so that's going to be a problem for Nevada's front quarter. Are they going to make K to beat you one-on-one? Or are they going to try to double and rotate off that? I don't know. Yeah, it's a bit of pick your poison in that regard, huh? Yeah, it is a pick your poison. And I mean, it's not like Utah State is a bad three-point shooting team. They're not. They're they're around middle of the pack in the Mountain West. I mean, they're not like a San Diego State. But it's still going to be a challenge for Nevada because this is the easily the best big man that we've faced all year. I mean, no disrespect to Nathan Mensa, but Kate is. He's been on a different stratosphere this entire year. I mean, in the Boise State losses that they had this last weekend, he had back-to-back 30-point, 10-rebound games. He's one of two players in the entire nation to have back-to-back 30-10 triple double or 30-10 double-doubles this year. Yeah, I mean, that's what—I'm glad you brought that up because the game plan is going to be so weird depending on how we guard Kata in so many ways because— like you said, it is kind of like a pick your poison because if you do want to go at him one-on-one, he has the scoring touch to fill up the statue. He can beat you one-on-one in a lot of ways, and I don't know and I don't know if we're going to be able to handle that matchup one-on-one. And if we do double him in the post, like you said, his passing ability has been on display all year. It may not fill up the stat sheet in the assist column, but he's an effective passer who gets his teammates involved. And this team as a group is a very sound unit and collective and very efficient from the floor. So Nevada's going to have some problems. You know, this is going to raise some concerns to just how we're going to guard this team, and Kata in particular. I think this guy is so physically talented. If there's any prospect coming out of the Mountain West this year that, you know, has a high potential to be drafted, I think Kata, you can argue, is one of them. And just recently he was named one of the 10 semifinalists for the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year Award. He's getting national recognition for good reason, and it, once again, just between him and Nevada's Grant Sherfield, another potential Mount West Player of the Year matchup, and I'm excited to see how this one goes. If Nevada were to help off him, it would probably be whoever's guarding Justin Bean um, because he's only shooting 17% from beyond the arc, or Raleigh Worcester whenever he's getting minutes. Um, but other than that, I mean, just looking at it right now, Sean Barristow shooting 35% from three, only, only on one attempt a game but still um just a threat whenever he's in the game he only plays 13 minutes a game so it's not like he's going to be getting a whole lot of run um but then again brock miller shooting 41 percent from three marco anthony shooting 70 37 stephen ashworth is shooting uh 36 percent alfonso anderson is shooting 35 percent. so it's like they have guys who can who can shoot the ball on the perimeter so it would likely be whoever's garden bean which would probably be like in a situation where it's at least in the starting front quarter, if it was Daniel Foster or Warren Washington, Washington would probably take uh, Kata in that situation. So it would probably be Foster helping off of being if Foster is guarding him, or if it was Himes, it would Himes would help off him. I wonder if Nevada starts too big. I don't think they do. Um, I think they just roll with what they have right now. Um, and Bean's going to get a lot of minutes too. I mean, he's one of their best, most impactful players. Um, I mean, again, he's only shooting 17% from three, but he's averaging 14 points a game, or he's averaging 10 points a game with seven rebounds. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a very interesting matchup defensively for how Nevada is going to guard Utah State as a whole, and I think in a lot of ways you're going to have to match their intensity on offense. And 
you know, considering what we've seen, like you said, they've been playing their best basketball to this stretch, despite, you know, the pause in action right now. I'm still confident that we can match them. We have the firepower to do so. And I think we're starting to see a lot more faces come up in the scoring column and provide points and double digits and so many different categories and impacts. So I'm excited to see not only how we guard Utah State defensively, but if we can match them toe-to-toe offensively as well. Yeah, it, Nevada's, we, we've talked about it before, but Nevada's played up to their competition in the Mountain West this year. Um, in uh, like in the San Diego State game, for instance, like we we couldn't close out those games, specifically the second one. Or, I mean, the first one, too. We were up five with a minute and a half to go. But, um, but Nevada's shown that they can compete with these teams for 40 minutes a game. And then, of course, we saw in the Boise State game, Nevada won both those games. They swept Boise State at home. I mean, albeit at home, but... No, and, U- and Utah State's been no slouch um, at home this year. They're seven and two at home. Nevada's just five and five on the road. But we've—I mean, if again, if we talk about it, if that Trey Pulliam buzzer beater doesn't go and we go to overtime, and if Nevada wins, we win that game. Or if they close out the first game, they uh, instead of San Diego State going on a seven-zero run to end the game, then Nevada wins that game too, and that's easily a series split there. And Nevada's the record obviously would look better in in that case. So I believe Nevada has played up to their competition this year. I mean, I know there's been some weird games against New Mexico, and, I mean, we beat Fresno State pretty bad. The second UNLV game was closer than you would like it, but we still were able to come out uh, in the second half and close that game out. And so this team has shown that they can play up to its competition. I wonder how that happens after... 19 days off. I mean, I don't know. You never want that, but uh, there. I mean, I'm sh- I'm guessing if I were to put a guess on it, that there would be some rust to shake off. But Nevada can't compete with Utah State, as you mentioned, for 40 minutes. I'm just wondering if they're able to. I mean, we again, we know they can if they're able to. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, we've been able to play up to our competition, and I expect the same type of effort coming into Utah State. We stay in games. I really think this team can compete against Utah State in the matchup it poses defensively. So I really do believe this is going to be a fun, intriguing series in a lot of way right before the Mountain West Tournament. Can we clinch a higher seed in that regard? But thanks to some cancellations, I know it puts more of a kind of what, what's a tire in the a fork in the tire. A fork in the tire? What? That, did I get that wrong? I think I said that wrong. I mean, I. You know, it just kind of pops the balloon, I guess. Okay, that's terrible, that makes but it's like you know it kills our helium in some ways, but kills he. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 bad. <laughs> it's bad. Even though this is on a Friday, it's our Monday here, and I've been messing up all day. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. It throws a it throws a wrench at you. Thank you. Yeah, throws a wrench in our. Four, I've never heard a fork in the tire. What that? What Maybe that? it was fork in the road. And I yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. That's fork bad. in the road. Still, that doesn't make any sense in regards to Nevada basketball and what we're talking about right now, but yeah. It makes it, it, makes it that much more difficult just with the cancellations. I mean, Nevada could have uh, had the opportunity to improve its record versus San Jose State, plus maybe splitting the Colorado State series, and now we'll just have one game against Colorado State, so it makes it much tougher to move up in the standings. Um, and like how we talked about a couple weeks ago, it's like, oh, Nevada has six games left. Can they potentially move up to 
third in the Mountain West, and it's like now we're kind of just stuck in this spot for now at least. Um, Utah State's 11-4, and four, Nevada's 9-5, and five, so. Yeah, it's going to be a fun series. I'm looking forward to it. Do you think Nevada wins? On the spot right now, give me a yes or no question. Do you think Nevada wins this series, or do they split? Split. split. Or lose the series, you could say nah, that too. Sp- split. I think we take game one, and Utah State takes game two. Fresher legs. I'm kind of on the opposite. I just think for us, I think we're going to use some of our rest to our advantage in a way we may come out a little faster, hopefully a little quicker on our feet, and I think we won't see much lapses despite the uh, pause in the action. I think that'll we'll actually use that to our advantage in a way. See, I, I disagree. I think we'll be a little rusty, but I would say, oh, man. I'm fighting between a split and we lose the series because it's like I don't again there's been times this year where Nevada hasn't closed out games and against Utah State at home against Cato the game script in my head is he's going to get us in foul trouble or we're going to try to have to claw back I mean Nevada we've seen like against Wyoming for example Nevada's had some rusty offensive performances at home and Utah's no Utah's also in the altitude I mean I know not as much but in the altitude, 19 days off, um, haven't practiced a whole lot, or at least as much as you would want to, at least my guess. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be in tough road environment no matter what. We've had some quite a series of events in Logan, Utah. Yeah, we don't need to recap uh, but, <laughs> the whole Caroline incident. But um, with that being said, I just think, I think this team has what it takes to at least split and potentially sweep the series. I mean, this Boise State series that Nevada just flat out won in so many aspects gives me more confidence, like you it said, does. that we play up to our competition. I guess. I'm, I'll, I'll say we split, but I think we'll win the back half of that. I don't think we win the front half of that. I just think, I mean, Boise State or Utah State, they all, they also had a 13-day hiatus, but... And Nevada's only had one time. There's only been one instance this season where Nevada's gone more than ten days without playing a game. Granted, we did win that game, but it was against New Mexico. It was after we lost that uh, Air Force, uh, the latter portion of that Air Force series, and we were off eleven days until that New Mexico State or till that New Mexico series, and we won by fourteen. But then again, that's New Mexico. This is a completely different like dog in the fight um utah state's a very well coached team by craig smith kate is one of the best players in the conference they have a bunch of talent that surrounds him that's good again and marco anthony alfonso anderson brock miller like they have a lot of really solid talent and i mean let's not forget utah state i mean i know they've lost four of their last six but they started at nine and zero in conference they were they were the best team in the conference for the first half of the season and so, I mean, I guess it's a little recency bias just to say, like, oh, the split or whatever. But I still think that they're a very good program and that they, they can certainly present a very tough challenge for this team, especially with 19 days off. Yeah, definitely. No, I see the roads and the obstacles in place for Nevada to even, you know, potentially squeak out a win on the road. But I'm confident. I think this team has what it takes. And this team's proven me wrong on many levels this year in so many ways. So I'm not going back on that. Same. Not giving up faith, not giving up my confidence and hoping them. Isaiah Burroughs exuding confidence in this team. Nevada sports in general. Yeah. 
We're yeah. the biggest cheerleaders here. You just don't see us with our pom-poms on or anything like that. I mean, we really can't do that as part of the media. That's a great point. <laughs> we really can't. Just call it like it is. Yep. Call it like it is. Do you have anything more to add? No, I think that'll be it. We had the reading days this week. That that was the most Friday feeling of all time on Thursday. Yeah, I'm with you there. But oh well. Are you a fan of the reading days? I wish we had a spring break, but uh, yeah, that's so neither here nor there. You know, I'll take those days as they come. That's all good. See, yeah, my birthday's in the middle of March, and usually I'd have spring break during that point, and that would also be like right at the time that March Madness started, so I'd have no school and March Madness would be kicking off. I mean, March Madness does kick off on a Friday this year, so it's a little bit different but... um, in past because usually it would be the first four and like on like Tuesday and then the first round Friday or Thursday, Friday, and then saturday sunday for the second round but now it's friday saturday sunday monday this year so it's kind of weird but i'd also like to have a spring break during that time yeah well having that you know that week off does bode well for the mental capacity but you know having bits and pieces of those day you know that day off here and there yeah i I guess i'll get used to it it is what it is at the end of the day listen i understand it i understand it i'm not complaining just happy to have you know class this year and just just be alive holy crap yeah be grateful man just gotta be grateful yeah but with that being said that's enough sad talk (laughs) that's enough sad talk for this podcast uh like and subscribe give us a five-star rating um isaiah we want you to know isaiah exudes confidence (laughs) thank you for listening uh have a great week well we'll see you next week